Welcome to Track Talk, the legendary drumming of Ringo Starr with my special guest, Greg Bissonette, part two. If you've watched part one on YouTube, you realize there's actually no Beatle tracks being played. Um, funny thing happened as I was putting this up on YouTube, I got uh, copyright claims on all those Beatles songs. So they had to be removed in order for me to post it up on YouTube. That's the, I guess, the downside. The good news is... Uh, and the audio podcast, all the music is there. So please check it out on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you find your podcasts. It's up there with the music. So check that out, download it. And um, this part two will also have no music in the YouTube portion. But again, on the podcast, you'll be able to listen to all the songs. So I appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't watched part one yet, be sure to check that out. I'd recommend watching that first. But if you're here now watching part two, don't go anywhere. Stick around and watch, and uh, you can always go back and watch part one. So I hope you enjoy it. If it wasn't for Ringo, I probably wouldn't have been a drummer. And uh, I know countless others that have said the same thing, that it was whether they saw Ringo on the Ed Sullivan Show on February 9th, 1964, or in my case, uh, it was a couple of years later where the Beatles were so omnipresent uh, and, and just our lives that... Um, hearing their music and seeing them on TV and seeing Ringo especially that ignited that spark that I had to be a drummer. So Ringo, thank you for that. And even more so for giving me a career in the drum industry for 35 years. Um, the Beatle boom created an enormous boom in the music industry that went on for many, many years after the Beatles broke up in 1970, largely due to the Beatles and largely due to Ringo. So Ringo, I've told you this before and I'll say it again. Thank you. Thank you for everything. You've given me a career that uh, I would have never had, had it not been for you and your mates from Liverpool. So thank you. And to everybody watching this, I hope you enjoy part two. Track Talk, the legendary drumming of Ringo Starr with my special guest, Greg Bissonette. Enjoy. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. Thanks. Alright, I'm going to jump ahead to um, a song that you played on your on your Beatles channel special that that, you know, there's I mean, God, there's so many incredible songs. Where do you draw the line? But this song I added to, to this show because it really demonstrates the song. I'll tell you right now. So you're not surprised. Greg is Strawberry Fields. And it's it, it really it really um, epitomizes, demonstrates those drum fills that Ringo's known for that I, I kind of refer to them sometimes as uh, it's the wrong way to say it, but they're, they're sort of backwards where he starts on the Tom Tom a lot of times where typically us drummers, you're playing a beat and you'll start on the snare drum and, and go to one of the Tom Toms if you're going to play some sort of little combination. But Ringo does all these unique fills that, that to me are counter to what most drummers think to do. And one of the greatest parts of Strawberry Fields is the end. After yeah. the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the Mellotron. You, you hear from another take or an overdub, you hear the, the swingy, you know, kind of. And I know one thing that a lot of drummers don't do when they play fills like that, that are swingy. They don't put their bass drum behind it. Ringo puts his bass drum under that as an undercurrent. There's this without the bass drum. And then there's with the bass drum. And 
bass drum percolates it along. And you hear that at the end of the song on Strawberry Fields. But when you think about it, that's a straight eighth note song. Let me take you down. He's not going. He's not playing straight sixteenths at all. Let me take you down. Cause I'm Got that swing. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. You're absolutely right. That's I, I couldn't really put my finger on the fact that that's really what makes it so special is that swing. Yeah. Play it's, a little bit, maybe the beginning and yeah. maybe the end of Strawberry Fields. Perfect. Because they're both so iconic. Yeah, absolutely. The way he comes yeah. in is, and yeah. swings. to here in this this verse yes the bass room Right after this one fill, and I play the end. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to strawberry. I just think that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I never heard anybody play anything like that, and I've still never heard anybody play a fill like that. It's so and great. And, and the yeah. way they had the compression, you know, the. Yeah. The, the symbols with the douche and the toms open and uh, the Fairchilds, man, it's just, wow. You li I used to listen to Jeff Emmerich talk a lot. I, did, I played with Jeff Lynn and ELO and he came to one of our shows and he talked so much about his eyes got excited when Abbey Road EMI got the compressors, you know, at the studio because they, oh, we can use that. <laughs> that man. sound. Oh. Did they ever? But I know. At the end, the way they bring in, the drums from other tracks or overdubs, it's amazing. Yeah,
Right here, I love this. Tony, you're a good DJ, man. You know right where these spots are. Uh, you're, you're, well, I had, a, I had a pretty good idea. You had a lot of practice. Had a lot of practice. Well, the you used to have to put a needle and put it on the record. What I know. This makes it a lot easier. And, uh, yeah, it, thank you for, uh, for pointing that out, too. That, that's, that was an important part to demonstrate. Um, this next song, Greg, I'm going to play just a little bit of it. And I, I threw this on here because it's one of my favorite Beatles songs. And... What I, I guess what I've always loved about this song, again, it comes down to Ringo's feel. And I used to play this for my kids all the time when they were little. And, you know, just because I loved it so much. And it's become like one of my son's favorite Beatles songs. Just, you know, just it's one of those things that, you know, if you get your kids listening to songs enough. But it's We Can Work It Out. And I love the little section where they go into three and they do the little, you know, that bridge section. But um, just just everybody watching at home, listening just check this out. Listen to Ringo's groove, his feel. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it your way. But the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone. We can work it out. We can work The double time part. Think of what you're saying. He sort of pushes it a little bit. Yeah. To me, the Beatles were so stylistically diverse. And if you listen to all the great classical composers of the time, Bach, uh, Giuseppe Verde, uh, Beethoven, Brahms, they were listening to other the, the, their peers a lot. Um, the Beatles, when they went to Hamburg, they listened to the music of Hamburg. And when you think about the, I grew up in a very German and Italian and Polish part of Detroit, and polkas were a big thing. Also, three, four kind of waltzes were big. And that yeah. reminds me very much of something they might have gotten from hanging out in Hamburg, Rosa Freiheit, and the Rieberbahn, and that whole area. <clears throat> and, and so, pop, pop. difference between that German type of a waltz and a Viennese waltz, an Austrian waltz. An Austrian waltz has the and I think a lot of times Norwegian would and a lot of songs pull from more of a, almost a Viennese waltz. But this song, we can work it out. There's two styles because they grew up playing clubs for people dancing. So they loved Motown and one of the great things about Motown is the four on the snare. 
Detroit, that was one of the big things I noticed, the snare on all four. And yeah. I know how much Ringo loves Motown. So you've got the first part, try to see it my way. And then life is very, that's Motown to me anyway. And yeah. then the general influence, fussing and fighting, my friends. I hear so many influences, so many stylistically diverse influences when I hear the Beatles. And they grew and they grew with every album so they were just yeah. listening to the time they were listening to what was going on whether it was hendrix or whatever it was they were listening and and the uh, john cage and the experimental stuff and they'd go in the studio and they'd ask george martin what'll get this sound or you know the the b3 with the leslie and the guitar and george they were always wanting new sounds but along with new sounds, they were into different styles. And We Can Work It Out is the perfect song to blend in many different styles. of What they were already doing, Motown, German, kind of accordion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great, Johnny. Yeah. Glad you pulled that up. I, I love, yeah. And, and you know, when you, when you do that kind of a deep dive into it, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's yeah, I, I, I love all the sounds in that song. Um, oh. Yeah. The next song, yeah, the next song we talked about for a second is Rain, and we'll just play a little bit of that great beginning. Can I say uh, one thing about Rain? Yes, of course, yeah. When asked, you know, one of his favorite songs, uh, he, Ringo often talks about Rain, because as he says, he played differently on Rain than he did almost any other song. He's not filling all the time, and usually he's doing what things you and I have talked about today, really watching where the lyrics are and filling in certain places, not thinking about it, but just organically. But on rain, when the rain comes, you better hide your head. Fill, 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 fill. Yeah, yeah. Might as well be dead. Fill, 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 fill. When the rain comes. He's filling a lot because it really pulls things along uh it's it's more fills than you've ever heard ringo play yeah. and then there's one other thing i'd like to talk about uh with rain after you play a little bit sure you bet yeah and again it's the, it's the it's the type of fills he plays too that always you know blew my mind just they're so unique and different and here it comes Flans first interviewed Ringo in Modern Drummer. He mentioned hi-hat notes before fills. And now I listening to Rain, I really get what he means. If he wanted to do this fill, one, one, two, three, four, one, two, he would he would want to lead with his left. Yeah, so he would yeah. play it on the hi-hat. 
But a really cool thing, I didn't know until Giles Martin put out the latest uh, whole, re not just remastered, but remixed version of Rain. They played this song a lot faster than this. And then right. they split it down. And a lot of people didn't pay attention, but could you please, because I know how fast you are and what a DJ you are, could you please go <laughs> on YouTube and pull up Rain, original tempo, fast. Okay. And I've played me... this backstage with Ringo. It's literally like, when the rain comes, you better. They played it a lot faster, and then they slowed it down to make the instrument sound heavier. It's going to blow you away. It's going to blow the listeners away when they hear it. How okay. fast they originally cut it. It's the um, rain backing track, original speed. Yeah, do that. Play that. Okay. Um, give me one second. I need to. Yeah, I'll uh, talk a little while you're getting that okay. going. So they all thought, I'm sure they're talking to George Martin and the engineers. How can we get this to sound heavier? Well, if you want things to be lower pitched, you can play them faster and then slow down the tape. Well, they did that. They cut rain at a faster tempo and then they slowed it down. It's mind boggling how fast they played it. Wow. All right, here we go. Um, take five actual speed, this one says. Should I play that one? Please. Okay. I've never heard this before. That's how they play, honey, and then they slow it down. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You got to check out all the new Giles Martin, not just remasters of audio, but remixes. Because of AI, because of Peter Jackson and the Mal app, which is named after Mal Evans, the, the, the guy in Get Back to Beatles, number one guy, their roadie, their friend. They call, Peter called it the Mal app. Because of that Mal app, he could separate everything. And so Giles just went nuts with re, remixing these albums. And the Revolver remix is phenomenal. Wow, man. Yeah. Hey, since we're talking about tempos, can we go to Tomorrow Never Knows and talk about how uh, an anthology too? They have sure. a whole tempo. Would you mind? I don't want to, you know, be taking your leadership role here, but we're on that topic. Would that be cool? You bet. Yeah, Tomorrow Never Knows, take two. Yes. Yeah, so um, people don't really realize until they do deep dives. But on, you know, the Revolver album, the, uh, they weren't using a click, but the beat that Ringo plays is around one twenty-eight. <laughs> But on April 6, 1966, they did Take One, and that's on Anthology 2. If you listen, if you YouTube Beatles Anthology 2, Tomorrow Never Knows, you'll hear 10 BPM slower. And again, they weren't playing with metronomes or clicks, but instead of... It's more like a crush roll. Could you please play that, Anthology 2? The original yep. Tomorrow Never Knows. Okay, hopefully I've got it back on here. Ready? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And now, could you play the original? The one, here. not the original, but the one we know from Revolver that's about 10 beats faster. You bet. Yeah, here's, here's the final version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twenty-two, Greg. We're so used to this version that you can't imagine it being slower. You know, it's yeah, yeah, man. Well, I'll, I'll keep moving on down the list. I wanted to yeah. play a song. We talked about the movie Get Back. Um, I think what Ringo plays on the song Get Back is again just an absolute masterclass. Um, it's the feel, the groove, everything about this song what he plays, what he doesn't play. It's, it's about as perfect a track, I think, as you could ever come up with. I agree. And um, yeah, let's, we'll Talk listen about a little bit. Swing. You know, he's, he's swinging that. Oh man. It's, it's so flowing. Would you call that a train beat or like a derivative of, of a train beat or? Whenever I think of train beats, I think of country and I think of Willie Nelson and I think of straight 16s like on the road again. Or Eric Clapton's Lay Down Sally. Lay Down Sally. Jamie Oldacre and the tukataka, tukataka, the straight, you know, straight non, there's not a, an eighth note in two sixteenths, even though it's swung, they're just four sixteenths with an accent on the ass. So I think of that as a train beat, but this to me isn't really a train because it's eighth and two sixteenths. But when you hear Paul on his Hofner, or I, I can't remember exactly, but what in, in Get Back, you see him kind of strumming his bass. Yeah, and yeah. It was originally playing straight, but then later, by the time they're up at the roof, he's going... Yeah. And speaking of Gary Astridge, you see Ringo with this ching ring kind of thing, but it's straight. It's like a it's like a straight, like an iPhone, right? But yeah, it goes yeah. high end, and it's got little jingles on it. Well, Gary Astridge said, nobody knows where that came from. It might have been a one-off somebody in London made, but... Gary just made two of them. He gave Ringo one and he gave me one. And it's kind of a light blue color. You look on Get Back and that ching ring's there. Gary Astridge, such an aficionado, whether it's tea towels or this little straight ching ring. But on Get Back, you see that. And it's so cool. But you just never really know exactly where Ringo went from the straight beat to the... Yeah. Please play this, boy. When this yeah, let's listen to a little bit of this. It's like, wow. Sweet Noretta fat, she thought she was a cleaner, but she was a frying pan. The picture. The picture. Picture the fingers, Greg. Okay. Jojo was a man who thought he was a loner, but he knew it couldn't last. Jojo lift his arm. 
loves this song. Get back to where yeah. you once belong. Get back. Get back. Get back to where you once belong. Get back, Jojo. Right there. His dynamics, Johnny, he's, I'm pretty sure he's leading left, but we have to go back and watch the video, but left, right, right, left. But the left is so much louder than the right. A lot of people would go. Yeah. It's not that. It's. Yeah. Da, da. And for 20 years with Ringo five feet away, I've noticed that usually when he play, it's so dynamic. When he plays on the verse of a song, he'll play with a snare this tip of the stick in the middle of the snare. But as soon as you hit a rim shot where you're, you know, on the metal and the head both, or without the T-tone, middle, rim, he, he usually plays the choruses with a rim shot, and then he'll go back to the middle on the verse. So he's taking that dynamic musicality. Verses should usually be a little bit quieter than the B section than the chorus, back to the verse. He plays so dynamically. Yeah, and that's a yeah. perfect example. Perfect, yeah. Yep. I'll play another second of it. And you know, I was going to say too, right at the beginning when, when the song starts, I, I can't I can't describe it any better than he just sounds so confident. He always sounds so confident, but you know, it's like he's, you know, and you, I, I guess it's a given that in his situation he would be that way, but he's just, he's just driving the band from the first beat. He's, he doesn't need a minute to sort of find his way and, and, get everybody in there with him. He's just like, guys, come with me. Here we go. We're going to take, we're going to go now. And here we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Johnny. It's good. Yeah. Man, it's just, you know, another, another couple seconds. Of this. A great point about the dynamics, Greg. Absolutely. soft crashes there, you know, while Billy's taking his solo, you know, he doesn't want to get in the way. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. Yeah, yeah. I can talk about countless bands and songs where they start at one tempo and then they're at a completely different tempo at the end of a song. Or I can think of countless bands that we love very much where within the band there's push and pull and Certain players are rushing certain parts, certain players are dragging certain parts, and you hear places that just, they move a lot. You, you don't hear a lot of movement with the Beatles. They, their band time, they were like one. Yeah, their band yeah. Time was so great. They played together as one. Yeah, I mean, all those years, like you said, that they played together in, in Hamburg and, and, you know, the Cavern Club, and, you know, you got, we got a, Oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta shout out to Paul McCartney, who is just such an incredible bass player and what it must've been like for Ringo to have such a reliable bass player, you know, such a great, you know, musician, rhythmic timekeeper. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the perfect rhythms. So this next song, 
is one we were talking about earlier. It's it's a Ringo Starr uh, solo tune, Back Off Boogaloo. And I just love this song. I loved it when it was on the radio when I was a kid. And, you know, I, it's one of those songs that I've, I love it even more now that I'm older and I'm listening to what he's playing. And it's so, it's so greasy and it's so swingy and swampy. And uh, it's, it's Ringo. It's just. Well, before you play it, could I again yeah. a little trailer for Masterclass? Yeah, absolutely. Please, I want please. everybody to hear Ringo say this, not me. But George produced that song. And George, I mean, it, it came about from a, um, uh, originally George wanting something like a boom, bop, boom, boom, bop, boom, bop, boom, boom, bop, or boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, And Ringo said, ah, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather play it on the snare. New Orleansy kind of feel, yeah, yeah. not that swing, but it's his own version of what George threw out as an idea, and, and Ringo made it his own with his own part. Back on boogaloo, and then when it goes to the, you know, on the on the B sections, you know, back to the snare. It's like that march, but it's not a straight eighth march. It's a swingy march. Yeah. He explains this. Please, 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 everybody, watch Ringo Starr's Masterclass on masterclass.com because when he tells how this came about, it's just mind-blowing. It's like his, this is his signature beat right here. Yeah. He's he's proud of this song too, Greg, right? Would you say like he's... Oh, he loves playing like, this song. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. He's, I'm glad to hear that because I, I think of him as probably, you know, like Charlie and a lot of these humble, great heroes of ours that, you know, he probably doesn't look back at a lot of this stuff, maybe the way we do. And, and uh, I, it's good to know that he realizes he created something so special with this song. You know, it's, it talks about the writing of it and Tommy Bolin. And I don't want to spoil what he says on masterclass, but I think we do this right after octopus's garden in the set and we'll finish it. And he'll say, all right, back off, Boogaloo. And then immediately <laughs> we play the song and then three quarters of the way through, he comes up and then it really kicks into oh, the yeah. because he's playing it with me. He's he's the alpha dog. He's Ringo. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, dude, <laughs> it from behind the kit, you know, and oh, it's so great. So have, maybe people could YouTube Ringo Starr and his all-star band, Back Off Boogaloo 2023. And there's lots of shows where you'll hear him playing that. Great. So, great. All right. Yeah. I'll put that in the link as well, for sure. Um, for the show, but let's play yeah. a little bit of this. And, and, you know, you, you made, you pointed out the B section where he's playing, you know, the bass drum and he's not playing the, the swingy new Orleans thing. Um, again, I listened to where he puts the beats on the, on the bass drum. It's just so like definitive. And so it's just a boom, 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 right. clean. <clears throat> yeah. It's just, and it's just, it's got a swing. Yeah, it's got such a swing. I was playing to it yesterday, sitting there playing, and I'm going, man, this is such a fun song to play. I wish I could play it like Ringo, but it's just such, a, it's such a... Yeah, it's a fun song. All right, here it comes, everybody. Back off Boogaloo, Ringo Star solo.
Is that George playing the slide? I think it is, yeah. I think it is. And Klaus Vorman on bass, I think I saw. Yeah. I have to look it up, but I think so. But you know, one thing that's always kind of bothered me all the years I've been playing drums, maybe it goes back to elementary school or middle school or high school or college, but there's this misconception, even in the LA studios, like you could have a click going, and that's the tempo. So if someone says, well, lay back, well, this is the tempo. If you lay back, you're going to slow down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, play aggressive and play on top. Well, if you play on top, it's going to speed up. Ringo doesn't slow down and Ringo doesn't speed up. So for people to say, oh, he lays back, I disagree. I think he picks the right, the right tempo for that song was established before they played it. One, two, three, four, and he's right smack dab in the middle. You can go, and you go to the B section, it's right there. He's not pulling it back in tempo. He's not pushing it in tempo. He's playing right in the middle of the tempo. He's playing where it should be. So I think what's odd is that he doesn't rush. Yeah. How many drummers rush? And I'm not a fan of the feel when things rush. I'm also not a fan of the feel when things slow down. I think Ringo and Paul and John and George, and when they played, they just grooved. It's like you put the needle in the middle of the record and the record the needle sits in a groove and that groove that little groove that's the groove and speeding up or slowing down i would say oh that's not a great take let's do it again we sped up now when i listen to to led zeppelin i hear jimmy page always rushing i don't think john bottom's dragging i think john bottom's smack dab in the middle of the beat but because jimmy page is so on top of the beat it makes john bottom sound heavier yeah i think needles I don't think any of those guys rushed. I don't think any of those four guys dragged. And I know Klaus's time was great. Ringo loved playing with Klaus. Klaus He's come out and hung out. We've gone to Hamburg and hung with Klaus. He's a a great, great guy. But their their band time was so great that you and I might, like when I started playing it a second ago, I went, oh, back off Boogaloo. That's not the tempo of that record. It's... It already had that tempo in mind. Okay, ready? And you can see it get back. They'll be playing, and George will cut off a song, and then Paul or John or somebody will say, oh, let's do it a little slower. They know where they want it, and then they start playing that tempo. The whole, oh, lay back more, bro. Like Steve Smith used to talk about with Journey. Steve Perry would drive him crazy. Oh, play like a really, you know, laid back kick drum like in New Orleans but with a really New York City on top of the beat snare <laughs> what was that? and Steve would joke where do you want the palms in St. Louis you know, play in the middle of the groove when I do a session Vinnie Calhoun has played on a session and I come in the next day I say could you play one of the tracks with Vinny and could you pull up the click the click is here and Vinny is here yeah. He's not here or there. He's in the middle of the beat. He's right where you decide. If the tempo's 132, play 132. And that's the perfect example. Back up Boogaloo. They started it. Who knows how many takes they did. But like John Bottom says, we've done four already and now <laughs> we're steady. One, two, three. That's that's in the middle of the beat. I'm a fan of the middle. 
Yeah. That's what yeah. temperament should be. So Yeah. No, but you know, and you make a great point, Greg, too, that that they all there was agreement with all the guys in the Beatles or, or whatever band it might be. Ringo and his and you know and his solo band like where the beat was going to be like that's that's where it comes that's where it starts it's like the tempo is here and everybody everybody's in agreement that's yeah yeah that's what makes a great band to me and they own it yeah grooves all the time yeah yeah and and you know I I like you said too it's it's amazing how um, get back and all those tunes that were kind con- you know cut live like they knew what the tempo was going to be. Ringo, whoever counted it, George, Ringo, whoever counted the songs. Ringo never liked counting off songs. He still doesn't love counting off songs. I get to count the songs off. I have a little Dr. Beat, like Abe Jr., I believe, does with Paul. Although Abe Jr. will get his hi-hat going, I think. And then Paul likes to count out the songs. Paul liked to count out the songs with the Beatles. The first song that the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan was um, Close Your Eyes and All My Lovin'. Oh my well, love. Yeah. Say one, two, one, two, ready, go. They weren't band director school. He counted to the number five. Go back, listeners, and watch the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. The first song, All My Love and Paul goes like this. One, two, three, four, five. Close your eyes. That's the perfect count off. It's not in five four, but yeah. he didn't go one, two, three, four, one. He didn't say one. Two, a one, two, and band directors that say one, two, a one, two, three. It's not one, two, it's one, three, one. So John Diversa at the University of Miami, he says, you ready, guys? He doesn't say one, two, one, two, three. He got this from his dad. One, three, a one, two, three, four, because it's one, two, three, four. But listen to the beginning of that. Yeah. One, one, two, three, four, five. Close your eyes. So I know that Paul liked to count out the songs most of the time. But if it's a George song on Get Back, you'll hear him counting it off. And John will count Sugar yeah. Plum Fairies. And he'll count off his... I don't think Ringo really loved counting out the songs. He got the tempo from whoever counted it off, and he locked in on it. That's ex- exactly, yeah. Yep. I'm blabbing so much, but it's a subject I'm passionate about. I know you are. I can see that. everything, Johnny. You know, in your band, Grand Theft Audio, if you cut a song off the wrong tempo, you either have to get bad looks from a guitar player or a singer, slow it down, speed it up. No, have a little metronome there, a little song starter, and have it go, then turn it off and count it off at that tempo. Yeah, yeah. I hate counting songs off at the wrong tempo because then you got to try to mess with it. I, 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 I use a little, an app on my phone called Tempo that just, it flashes the flashes the tempo for me and i use it quite often sometimes you know it's it's it makes all the difference like you say if you're playing a fast song one minute and then you're going to a medium tempo song then that's it's easy to to count the next song too fast i mean i find myself doing that if i don't or, or where you are in your in your day if you've just gotten yeah. up the tour bus and you had a late night and you do a sound check somebody usually a lead singer will say oh it's too it's too fast, bro. No, it's because you haven't had your Starbucks coffee yet. It's not too fast. That's the record. That's the right tempo. And then you get to the gig and everybody's all excited and there's thousands of people. Oh, it's too slow. No, it's not too slow. Your energy is here. Yeah. So it's relative. That, that, that Dr. Beat or that Tom Rhythm watch, it's not going to lie to you. Right, right. I have one of those too. 
Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we have one more song, Greg, and I want to thank you so much for, for doing this with me today and, and honor of Ringo's birthday, as you said, which is coming up on July 7th and we'll have these happy episodes birthday, up. Ringo. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Ringo. 83 years young, man, man. Unbelievable. Peace and love. That's what, and Ringo means that he doesn't just say peace and love as a saying. He is a peaceful guy. He's not stressing about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. He lives in the moment, John, and he plays in the moment. Yeah. And that's a big part of his. And he really loves the people around him, his family, his band. He's full of love. He really is. Peace and love is the way he lives. Yeah, it's 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 genuine. I know that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he's he's all about that. You know, I mean, anything you ever see and hear from him is it's he, that's what he preaches all the time. God bless him. Yeah. God bless. All right. But we got one more song and uh, probably not a surprise. It's the end. And yeah. we talked a little bit about this, the drum solo. And um, it's such a great little drum solo. And and again, to, for me, one of those things that I never played it right until I really started listening to it. You know what I mean? Just knowing right. where where the beats come in and counting it. So do, any, anything well, you want to? Yeah. One of the things that I, I know Ringo's not a fan of you know, long drum solos or just people just soloing and soloing. But however it came about that he did the, these eight bars, there's a couple of things that really are important to me. Again, they were, they were not playing with a click track. There weren't click tracks back then, then, except maybe on cartoons and TV shows and movies where they had to line things up and they had a Yuri click and certain things had to hit on the end of three and then the car crash would be and they hit a symbol. But there was no click track for pop albums or any albums back then. So the number one thing is that it, it starts and stops. It, it begins and ends at the same tempo. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of drummers play fills like this. One, two, three, four. And when you're just playing with your hands, the rest of the band or the audience doesn't really feel that undercurrent of the bass drum. The bass drum's coming out those big 18-inch subs, and your toms might be coming out the mid-range speakers, and you're playing your toms. If you're playing boom, bop, boom, boom, bop, boom, boom, then you play a solo on the toms, all that low-end 18-inch speaker sub stuff goes away. Ringo does not play this without the bass drum. He doesn't go... He plays the bass drum under it. And I'm not going to be able to play this correctly because I don't have a five-piece kit. He had the blonde Ludwig Hollywood kit with the teeth dowels, and I don't have a, an extra tom here. But I'm going to play the bass drum and motor the bass drum through so that the band and the audience and everybody feels that groove. is he's playing over the bar. And for those young drummers that don't know what over the bar is, you have one, two, three, four, one. He's not going, digga, 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 stop, digga, digga, digga. He's going, ba, 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 ba. He's taking these phrases over the bar. And it's really cool because it's not just some straight, stiff, non-swinging right. solo. It swings like crazy. The bass drum's motoring the way through. It's melodic, it's thematic, yep. and it holds the tempo all the way through. Could and you play it, that? I'll play it. Yeah, it flows. It just makes the whole thing flow. You said it perfectly, Greg. Here it comes, the end. 
great, but it's not the main one. What an amazing part. Yeah. And that little that little hi hat little slurry little hi-hat part, you know, a little opening the hi-hat at the end of the beat. On the here. end of what? Yeah. 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 It's so thematic. Yeah. And we really get a kick out of opening the hi-hat. He'll open his hi-hat in a certain place, and then I'll copy it, then he'll do it, then we'll do it together. He gets such a kick out of those little open hi-hat things. And again, I know I'm pimping out my YouTube channel, at Greg Drums, G-R-E-G-G Drums. And uh, all that aside, I want to do kind of a commercial again for Ringo's masterclass. So many drummers still need to see this. Yeah. And all instrumentalists. There's a jam at the end where I play double drums with Ringo. I play triple drums with Jim Keller and Ringo. We bring Steve Lukather, um, all, Joe Walsh, all these great musicians come up with you a jam. But he tells the stories about how he came up with things, what he did, why he did it, his childhood, so many stories that nobody's ever heard, and you got to hear them from him, because right. you and I can talk about Ringo till we're blue in the face. It's not going to be the same as when you watch this hour and a half masterclass, or, or however long it is, two hours, I forget, but it's the best investment you could ever make. Watch the Ringo Starr masterclass. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I watched it when, yeah, when it first came out, which was maybe about a year and a half ago, I feel like around Christmas time of... Maybe yeah, maybe right, more about than, two years ago, November. But yeah. Two years. Okay, yeah. And and it's but I'm gonna watch it again. And and but to your point, Greg, to me it's the most comprehensive told by Ringo um account of like all the things we're talking about right now. You're right. I mean he's he's never really, other than on Masterclass, talked about the things that he talks about there, and it's pretty huge. Honey, he has that snare drum. Oh. That, that classic snare that's on every song, he's got that snare right there. He's showing it to us. He's hitting it. He's got the symbols, the original symbols right there. Wow. It's, it's just yeah. my mind, the amount of great entertainment and information hearing it from him. Masterclass.com, Ringo. Ringo All right. Stuff. Well, before right. we end the show today, and, and I want to thank you again. I want to give you a little plug. Um, I talked about this during the intro before I brought you on. But uh, again, I'll remind everybody, Greg has been nominated for Modern Drummer's 2023 Reader's Poll all-around category, which, you know, I was... But, you know, I was thinking about all-around, Greg, and I'm just looking at some of the people you've played with. I don't know if this qualifies for all-around. Maynard Ferguson, Big Band, David Lee Roth, Toto, Santana, Joe Satriani, ELO, Spinal Tap, and Ringo. <laughs> if, oh, God, thank you, if no i'm i you know i don't know what took them so long to, to nominate you for that category frankly but i mean i i gotta be careful as i said because a few of our friends are also in that category but i'm gonna vote for you oh johnny thank you man absolutely some, some guy came up to me yesterday because i just saw you on tv playing in italy with andrea bocelli do you play classical i say i <laughs> All music. I love all styles. I want to, I'm not the best in any one style, but I want to be 
the best I can be in every style, Johnny. And that means the world to me that you would mention that. And what an honor to be nominated for best all around. I mean, I, my first year in college was 1977 and that's when Modern Drummer came out. And from that first issue till, till now, I've read every issue and I just am so yeah. honored by that nomination. So thank you. You're, you're so welcome, Greg. And, and I mean what I say, too, so deserving. I mean, if, if anybody has a resume that, that you know, defines all around, it's you. I mean, you've, you've done everything. And I, I'd even mention the fact that you've done solo records and, and um, you know, the, the records you've done with, like, you know, Bette Midler or, or like, everybody, you know, it's, it's yeah. So Thank good, you so much. That yeah, means a lot. I can't tell all of the people out there enough what this man you're watching, his track stuff and his, uh, from his drum room and everything else, how much respect the drummers all over the world have. All you have to do is name, put out the name Johnny D and everybody smiles. Everybody. Charlie Watts, Ringo, believe me, you name it. Everybody, it puts a smile on their face because Johnny, there, there's the pie and there's playing and, and knowing about drums and about music is half the pie. But the other half of the pie is what kind of person you are for getting gigs and keeping gigs. And you are one of my favorite, most respected people, Thank you, Craig. humans, as a husband, as a dad, as a pal. You're just, everybody loves you, Johnny, because you are one of a kind, man. Thank I love you. you. Thank you. And I love you, too. That's, I, that means the world to me. So, and, and, hey, and you Kelly, know. tell her you're still going to be practicing your two-handed <laughs> double stops. I will. I will. I'll tell her. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to check out Greg's YouTube channel at Greg Drums. Greg with two G's, three technically, I guess, when you add them all up. But at Greg Drums YouTube channel, check it out. It's fabulous. I subscribed. There's great stuff on there. And uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Greg, sit tight, and we'll we'll say goodbye in the in the waiting room. And happy birthday, Ringo. Peace happy and love. Happy birthday, yes. To the greatest. All right. Thanks again, Greg. Thank you. Well, all right, that concludes part two of the legendary drumming of Ringo Starr with my special guest, Greg Bissonette. I hope you enjoyed it. Greg and I sure did. Happy birthday, Ringo. Peace and love. And uh, thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to Live from My Drum Room. And I look forward to seeing you again soon.